Hi, I'm Chud X. And I'm Lanny. And this is The World As It Is Today. Hey, today we have a guest that needs no introduction. If you're here, you almost certainly know the great Monica Perez. You've heard her for years on the Propaganda Report and as a guest on many excellent shows, and now on her solo feed, Deep Dives with Monica Perez. Monica, welcome. Hi, guys. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. Yes, we're really happy to have you finally. And uh, after we've gotten to meet in person, too. So yes. I'm not nearly as nervous as I would be if this was before that meeting, for sure. <laughs> I've actually been to Greener Postures personally. Yes, like excellent. Was, and that was the highlight of my summer, I have to say. like that, I still think about how magical a spot you have and the great experience that I had there. And I just, I'm looking forward to doing it again. And you left a legacy with me because I am currently brewing a constant stream of kombucha. Yeah. And it doesn't explode. I really want it to explode. <laughs> you want some of the exciting stuff. Yeah. I do. I do. But I have to get a little more practice for that. It, sure. It'll happen. And then you'll be going, oh, these are too much. It's exploding too much. No, oh, my, no my soda's on my ceiling instead of in my mouth. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Then okay. it's a bummer because you don't get to drink it. That's uh, Sometimes <laughs> right. I forget to move the dish rack before I open one. And then we'll have all the clean dishes right there. And oh, then I no. open it and I go, Oh, what was I thinking? And they're all oh, no. speckled with purple or whatever. Well, now I feel bad because like in that whole trip when I was in Washington and Oregon, anybody who had like kvass or kombucha or whatever, I was chugging it. I was like, I'll have another one. And now I realize like it takes like a month to make it, it or long two time. months. And I'm just like, yeah. I'm so embarrassed. That's okay. No, that's Don't what we make it. It's there to be drank. Especially yeah. for I guests. Yeah, I for special occasions. On the World As It Is Today podcast, Chad and I often talk about family values, raising kids, and all the psyops that have caused us as a culture to lose track of what is most important. Like, uh, you know, caring for our babies or our elderly parents and standing strong with a moral code. And so, of course, you being a mom and you speak openly about that on your podcast, we thought it would be fun to have you on to just kind of talk about parenting, um, especially parenting in with one foot in and one foot out of the, the matrix uh, and being able to see all of that. Mm-hmm. I already have like six different bullet points from just that question. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my only question. The rest right, of this is definitely the, uh, just a free form conversation. Definitely have an hour's worth of stuff to talk awesome. about. So I will just maybe do it backwards from what I wrote down is that the number one challenge for me has been, because my kids are older now, they're in high school and my daughter just left for college. And it's been difficult for me. I had to learn the hard way of how much kind of truth to give them and how fast to give it to them. And I mean, at a certain, I, so I have eight older brothers and sisters and I have 15, 16 nieces and nephews. And I've seen basically every way to approach kids to see the development. Some people were too lax. Some people were too strong. And it seemed to me that there was a moment when you just no longer had their ear. They weren't there. You couldn't influence them at all. And I didn't feel confident in letting them live in a delusion and then springing it on them, you know, Santa Claus style. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I just, I couldn't, I don't, I never even liked the Santa Claus thing, to be honest with you. Like I really had qualms about that. 
I just did not like it. And so I, I erred on the side of being very truthful with them. And I have a, one son who has Down syndrome. And then I have two kids who don't. And the spectrum of reception was definitely there. So one of my kids, my son who you met, just totally gets it. And sometimes people think he's blackpilled and he's just like, no, I'm just he's smart. He's a truth sponge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> truth sponge. Yes, he's a truth sponge. Exactly. He's just like, look, it, whether mom told me or not, I definitely would have figured this out. And then my mm-hmm. daughter says, like, I don't care if you're right or wrong. Like I would be a complete pariah if I actually embraced your truth. And Mm -hmm. so I think it's very gender specific. And then my son who has Down syndrome, I don't know, I I struggle to identify what it is, but I think he doesn't have a super ego or something. Like he can't lie. And he just, so he'll come home from school and he'll just spew the propaganda as he's distilled it. Mm -hmm. So he would come home and say, Donald Trump wants to uh, restore slavery to African-Americans. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think he, you know, I I don't know what he says or what they're telling you, but like, when I hear him say that, that's what he is hearing. And one time, like, I really feel like basically pranked me. He was having a hard time in gym. And I said, I think he needs some special help in gym, like PE. And they put him in ROTC which counts as PE. So this is a kid who has Down syndrome. What is, what, what, what is that? What is ROTC is the, is the- Oh, oh wow. Really, that was yeah. really messed up. They did that to like mess with us. And uh-huh. boy, for Christmas, he was asking for an AK-47 or whatever. <laughs> what? Yes, and this is a kid that, that had voluntarily, after the Parkland thing, voluntarily walked out of class to- protest gun. So it's like, uh-huh. okay, he didn't voluntarily do that. Like no. definitely his aide took him out there. Yeah. And he never thought of a gun. I won't even have guns in my house because of him until you did that. So he is absolutely like so literal and then he'll go in. So he went in after that Parkland thing and he said to them, my mom says you're trying to brainwash me about guns, <sighs> which is, was a quote from Eric uh-huh. Holder. You know, it was a, yeah. a quote. So, so I have him who just like the whole thing with like, he'll just say COVID's fake. <laughs> you know? yeah. like, well, I wouldn't say it's a fake. Like, I don't know what, what to say, but he'll say that it's cool, freak people out. And he'll say like, um, like, no, don't, no way would I get vax. No way. No way. <laughs> Boy, no, that's, oh, wow. You didn't do that. Did you like, he'll express concern, <laughs> you know, and yeah, yeah. dude, keep it cool. And he yeah. can't keep it cool at all, but he has really good truth dar and he knows what the answer is. So I can see that kind of like different personality types in him. But I just, I don't, I don't know what to think because look, the whole COVID thing happened so quickly that if it would have been, it was better, I feel like in some ways to, to have them be prepared to, for them to really understand like, wow, she's been kind of saying this thing is what happens when the government has too much power or whatever. Yeah. So they were prepared to interpret it. I, I feel like it gave them the tools, but there was a cost. Of course, the cost of like robbing them of their maybe innocence a little younger than I would have wanted to, that kind of thing already happens in a couple of ways. On the left, it happens with like the trans and stuff, trans education when they're young. On the right, it happens when they educated my kids about abortion in third grade and took them on marches. And then like with COVID, like that had extreme, an extreme psychological impact on kids, the age of my kids. So Mm -hmm. nobody else is worried about 
um, the psychological impact of what they think is the right thing to do. And I feel like my kids came out the other side of that probably better off than a lot of kids, no worse off. It was very, very hard on them, but they, their psyches are intact for sure. Yeah. Everything has some kind of psychological impact on children. Everything that happens is molding them all the time. But if you have them have that a little bit of truth to lead them into that, you're right. They can have some understanding as it's going on that, Oh, maybe what they're telling me isn't, and I, isn't exactly true. And I think for our kid who was, I don't know, just six, then he just turned nine. And he, he, he understands so much, but yeah, like your special guy, he doesn't have a filter. So he wants to tell everyone he already knows the answer. And I have to tell him we're the aliens on another planet. Oh yes. Right. Yes. Yes. I actually, a a listener and friend, just like you guys, just somebody I met through the show. And I, we came to that conclusion totally organically. Like we both said, like, we're the aliens Yes. We are the aliens. And I realize now that you also say that, but it really just came from, yes. Yeah. So it's true. so yeah. natural. Cause it's so true. It's exactly like the best way to describe it to a kids. It's like, if you don't want to get found out and have like Homeland security, take you in and dissect you, then you're, you're going to have to just kind of play along a little <laughs> you bit have to and, pretend like you're not an alien and not lie, but you know, hold your cards close to your chest. Like I was like mobster style, you know, you don't go in and yell in all the answers. I, I, you know, I don't hold back on, almost any truth. I'm sure if I really thought about it, I could find some things I hold back with, with, uh, with my kids with, but you know, like, uh, the example that I overuse is I talk about the moon landing and my son knows everything that I believe about the moon landing. And that's delicate because he's young, but I have to, I make it really clear to him that what I'm telling you is not what you're going to get you're you, like, you probably don't want to go to school and tell anyone that that's what your dad thinks, because they're going to talk badly about your dad or you, um, you know, they're not going to agree with you. You're saying something that's different than what everyone else believes. And uh, even though I believe this with all of my heart, uh, I also teach them everything that there is to know about the moon landing from that academic point of view, like what, what they say went on. Of course I'm going, but did they really do that? That doesn't but make sense. He was riveted by me listening to the audiobook of Bart Sabrell's Moon Man. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah. He was like, What, mom, did this really happen? I was like, I don't know. It's what this guy says, you know? He so, he was like wanting to listen to it. My husband's a bit of a normie, and we were at a baseball game when we first moved out here. And I live in LA, and there was somebody there. I don't know if he was like worked at NASA or something like that. And I hear my husband going. Oh yeah, she thinks it's fake. <laughs> she thinks the moon is fake, and I was like, "I, I, I don't, you don't <laughs> out me. You throw me out of the bus." <laughs> it was. <sighs> I really did not know what to do with that, and I just kind of said, "Yeah, yeah, I, I don't." I just, you know, there are things like the Van Allen radiation belts. And he's like, yeah, you just, the guy said something like, you just wrap everybody up in tinfoil. I pretty much takes care of it. But uh, I never, I, I don't even care about the Van Allen radiation belts. Honestly, like that isn't the reason why I have absolutely no belief whatsoever. Although I will just ask people, and I probably should have just said this to him. I should have said, like, why do you think it's real? Yeah. It's a real you know, good can you prove to me that it's well, real? Well, it's because they said it. 
But you know what I like most about that little story, Monica, is that your husband is not ashamed of you, like to the point where he would just spit that out at somebody, you know, at a baseball game or whatever. He believes like in the inherent goodness of the world. Like he just thinks that, you know, I'm a little bit paranoid because I think, because he (laughs) says, I said, don't you worry, like at your job, that the stuff I say on my show is like, you could defend every single thing. And yes, maybe everybody would not agree with you, but you do your work, you don't lie. And, you know, this is a free country and you should be able to speak freely. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I wish more people thought like that. <laughs> that is I so, really that is so cute. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Very cute. Love it. <laughs> yes. So we um we are just we've just celebrating our older son's ninth birthday a couple days ago. So we're you know a few years away from teenage years, but that's something I think about a lot. We were both really rebellious as, as teens and got in a fair amount of trouble. You know, didn't do well with the school system and all of that. So I'm really focused on giving him the freedom that he needs to be himself because you met him when you were here. He's very, um, he's not a normal eight-year-old when you met him or nine-year-old now. He's, he's got a lot to say and, and he likes to be in charge and lead, lead the show. So he's not, he's not excellent in the school type setting. You know what I mean? So Yeah. Uh, and nine-year-olds are still riding a trike usually, right. but of course- he drove up on, <laughs> he rode up on a, on a real trike with like a throttle. <laughs> yeah. He had his four wheeler. Oh, he's got his, a four wheeler. Yeah. His yeah, a- yeah, ATV yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. He's like, Hey, I'll catch up with you. Yeah. <laughs> you guys go out that way. I'll, I'll yeah, catch up with catch you in a minute. I was like, dude. And he was so nice. Like he could have thought he was cool, but he didn't. He's super yeah, nice. That is his like, I'm a cool guy move. Like when new people are over, he's like, I'm going to show them how rad I am on my Oh, he, he was very <laughs> rad. But yeah. very respectful. I really liked him. But I, I will say that you, the the thing about you know try to introduce them to these ideas or to give them freedom and everything again because I have two kids who are so so totally different. I look back and when they're in their teenage years, maybe it was the COVID stuff. Like uh, you know, their personality just comes out very strongly. And with I, I've very I've always been pretty clear on these are the reasons why I'm doing this. This is why my rule is this rule. I'm open to discussion. Mm -hmm. Um, We can talk about it. Let's try to get to there. And you are going to have to have some consequences. I'm sure natural consequences to your actions, that kind of thing. And uh, it worked great. I think for my son, but my daughter, I remember I've told this story before that I told her not to like walk with her sparkly shoes in the puddle because the sparkles would come off. And I look out the window and she's standing in the middle of a puddle and the And I started yelling at her in the rain. I was like, what the heck? And she's like, I didn't believe you. And I was so proud of her for, you know, not for testing the waters, but I regret. And I thought, which way should I go with this? Should I punish her or should I be happy that she thought? And I went with like, yeah, you should, you should not believe what people say. And she, like, I I see now to have a girl, like um, a teenage girl. I just wish that I had disciplined her more kept her in line because they're really out there and I'm not the only one. I mean, this, there's, yeah. I don't know what, if it's TikTok or what it is. It's yeah, the, TikTok. the culture of, yeah, yeah. it's, yeah, I, I mean, bribed her to give up TikTok. And I will tell you basically all of that is th- that be- behavior and stuff is really receding really? and it could, it could be coincidental. And then someone said, oh yeah, I think they might be, oh, the guy who I'm an alien with. My listener friend said, oh, I think they might be banning TikTok. And I'm like, you know what? I think 
I've gone so far over the edge with what is going on in this world that I secretly want them to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you uh-huh. wonder what'll pop up next in its place though. That's what's scary. That's, but, that's true. But, and they, yeah. they don't love us. So it's not for us, but I just, I feel like it's so important to know the kid, I guess was my point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it is for our guy. He definitely wants to test uh, things, but that's how he was when he was little, like before he was talking, we have this really long gap in ages between our two kids. Right. Um, our younger one will be two next month and our older one just turned nine. And so we've got this big space where we observed the first kid just solo. And then now we have this new little guy and I'm like, our first guy, he stood up and then started running when he was like the first day of his 11th month. And he basically never crawled. He didn't, he just (laughs) figured out how to stand and then just started running. And that was face planting a lot of times. Right. Our other guy could stand for a long time and hold himself on furniture and he would stand without holding stuff. And like, you could tell he was thinking about it and he would watch other people walk. And then, you know, it was one step. It was this very cautious and thoughtful process. And I say, wow, it's going to be really interesting to see him get older and see how much of a difference his personality is just from that, you know, yeah. as a little test. Right. Especially like we made, we've, I, I make the observation all the time uh, because uh, I'll look back at a video of our, of our older, when he was a, when he was a baby before he could talk, when he's just babbling and I go, wow, that's the same guy. Like he's, I, I now know what he's saying. Basically. Wow. You yes. know, like like he just didn't have words yet, but that's his personality, the way is his... Oh, and the way he's saying it, the cadence, the rhythm of his talk. Wow. Yeah. It's yeah. like it's like this is he was he was born a complete human. And we just couldn't really see that until he got older. And now as I'm looking at this guy and we're seeing things like she's like she's saying, you know, and observing how he walks differently, how he approaches walking differently, it's like Oh, cool. Like I'm going to see that expand out into how he takes in information and how he does things out in the world. Like it's, it's all gonna, it's all right there. It's already right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the genetic thing is, is amazing that they are who they are for sure. And that's when I start thinking about, uh, I mean, I definitely don't want to talk about abortion, but I think back and like the, like they say, well, is conception the beginning? I'm like, definitely. (laughs) yes the second the second that that genetic profile is in is like his match is made (laughs) yes it is it is that is a human being a very specific human being but i also think that um that i was saying like it depends on how the how different the kids are however as i and i never would read parenting books because a lot of them had absolutely contradictory viewpoints in it. And it was, Mm -hmm. there was just no way for me to believe it. And the only one I read was happy sleep, healthy sleep habits, happy child. And that did probably make a huge difference, but I am now learning. I do a lot reading. I I read a book I tell people about called boundaries and I've read some stuff about DBT. I've learned some skills and these actually the chick who did DBT, which people are learning about lately a lot, dialectical behavioral behavior therapy, Marsha Linehan, I think her name is, I think yeah. she was, I know she was Catholic. And, and when I see this stuff, it, it really 
you can't tell kids this if they're going through it, but it's really about these fundamental virtues that make people love you and help you to love other people. So they don't put it in terms like temperance and patience and humility and charity, but they do say you know, it's about dialectical behavior therapy. It's about seeing somebody else's position, about yeah. putting like credit in the box. Like if you tell somebody something, they're, they, and you need them to believe you, they're going to believe you if you're always telling the truth but they're not right. going to believe you if sometimes you lie. So how much yeah. credit do you have with that person? You know, yeah. are they reacting to what you're saying or are they, you know, and are you reacting to them? Like, and so when I think about it, I feel like maybe you don't have to you know, micromanage your kids differently, or maybe you do, but there are those basic tenets. And another thing I've been reading lately and reading, with a friend on the air is the Jordan Peterson 12 rules of life. And I always wondered if he was inside job he when the stuff hit the fan and I don't know, but just like a lot of important, uh, the wrong guy or a guy who's an inside job, they have to be founded in a lot of truth. Mm -hmm. So he, he says stuff like, I mean, he has one paragraph that's like, these are the things you have to make sure your kids don't do. And it's you know, be rude, have bad table manners, like things that are going to make people not want to be near you. Mm -hmm. And there are some basics, I, I think just keeping it simple and absolutely not deviating from that, always having that standard and making sure it's, it's simple and clear. I think, I think that's what gets the kids from being little to being teenagers and you're still able to help them function in the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause we met fat Mitch as he goes by online yes, when yes. you guys were here and he was, he was an impressive young man. I really enjoyed so uh, our time with him. He was cool. Like, I feel like I would have hung out with him and, uh, you know, had I not known he was your mini me, because you guys do have a lot of similar <laughs> yeah. way of uh, the genetics. communicating. Yeah, it could be the genetics that he's the one who is more appeals to mine. Yes, he's very mature. And because I've always taught, even the, my son who has Down syndrome, I just did away with all the therapies and stuff and just always talked to him a lot, just yeah. communicated with him to get him to think. I would do a lot of, I you know, not like cloying hugging, but I, I thought physical attention had dogs and stuff. I think, you know, fuzzy stuff is good. Yeah. Just yeah. keep it simple. But, you know, I, I, it wasn't very refined, but it worked for him for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah, talking seems real key to me, to all, all kids of all, of all mental status, like uh, speaking to, to children like adults in air quotes there. Um, it's, it's so good for them. Um, I, I meet a lot of other kids um, as well. And some, you know, it's, it's, it's like 50, 50. Cause I talk to all kids the same. And I talk to kids pretty much the same as I do to adults. Uh, you know, I don't, I, I might, I'm a little less vulgarity, less swearing. <laughs> just a little yeah. less, uh, but you know, I just, I just talk to them. I ask them how they're doing, what their day's like, you know, I, I don't, I don't go up and, and hi, talk, how are you? Hi, you know, baby talk, you know, yeah. whatever, right? you know, I never use baby talk and all of that kind of stuff. And half of the kids give me a blank stare, like, oh my God, I can't talk to you. I have to go the other direction. But the other half, um, and it's most of the other half, like are, are like surprised by it and really want to answer questions and, and talk and, and speak to me 
like an adult because they don't get spoken to like that that often. And then there's a, a then there's a small wedge in there of kids almost all homeschooled who just go right into it. They're not surprised. They're happy to talk. They want they 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 don't see this as an odd interaction at all. But uh, that that first half that I mentioned there, the ones that just that it just it just freaks them out to be spoken yeah. to like that, who are like ten years old. It's like I I, I honestly and I, I'm not dissing on anyone's parenting styles and all of that kind of stuff, but I, I feel sort of bad for that kid getting to be 10 years old who they've, they've maybe never had a real conversation in their life. Yeah. So this is what confuses me about when my kids have, like my daughter's always worried about social stuff and that anxiety interferes with her socializing. So my daughter just texted me and said, you know, she was very grateful that I spoke to her as an equal because she gets compliments on her vocabulary all the time. I love that. But what I wonder is kids like that, kids who haven't been kind of socialized to the point where they're expected to have intelligent conversations, to think about things. I'm not sure that they do less well in peer environments than kids like we talk to. So even homeschool kids or whatever. So when my kids come home with problems with the peer group, a lot of times I just feel like that just sounds like stupid high school gossip crap. Like, I don't, yeah. I'm sorry for you that you have to endure it, Yeah. but I'm, I can't help you be good at that. I'm not good at that. I can't, I no, never model that. No, because it's a weird game. Like yeah. the, the only thing you can help with is like not caring as much and knowing it'll pass, you know, it's. I know, but it takes is, a long time. And I like, I never, ever, I don't, I'm not a phone talker. It's amazing out of a mm-hmm. podcast because I was never like really a phone talker. And that mm-hmm. is sometimes what it feels like, but I never modeled that. I never modeled gossip. I didn't never modeled like groups. I, I didn't, I, every once in a while I had like a few girls I would get together out of town or whatever, but I don't have the like eight girls from college girls weekend thing. That's just not me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I never modeled group think or group behavior dynamics. And I get torn about whether that was a good thing or a bad thing. And I actually think that people who homeschool their kids have do a better job of that than even schooling because they, a lot of the ones I've talked to go out of their way to create um, peer-based social interactions that are, that revolve around an interest. Mm -hmm. So what I see the peer-based in the schooling and, and my kids went to Catholic school, public school, private school, it didn't matter what happens is they have all this downtime, this idle time, um, either they're bored or they're at lunch or they're on a bus or whatever. And, and I can just hear them, even if they're in the back of the car, they just run out of things to say. And it either gets gossipy or it gets, you know, being jerks to each other. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you had it based on interests, which is how we interact, right? You never sit next to somebody and talk about nothing, right. you know, and expect to keep the conversation going. And I, and I just feel like, the homeschool kids by even if they just, you know, skip the institutional high school and don't have to endure that pain. I feel like, and I think John Taylor Gatto says this, like that stuff was unnatural anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, and it comes from being trapped with those people that you don't, you might not interact with otherwise and being trapped with them and forced to be with them. And I think that if you have a homeschool kid and then you're tossing them into that environment, then they have a disadvantage. 
But if you're tossing them out to like go work at McDonald's, then they have an advantage. They have a massive advantage <laughs> at that point because they're looking people in the eye and speaking intelligently as opposed to being used to only kind of gossipy talk or whatever. But, you know, everybody knows the homeschool kid that started, you know, um, you hadn't met them before. They're the new kid in school and you find out they were homeschooled. They're a little weird. And that was because <laughs> they were a little weird in that unnatural culture of school. You know, not that they were weird in the scheme of things. And I didn't understand that when I was a kid, but I, I do now. Because when I do meet other kids that are our son's age, I'm always kind of surprised, you know, that their their vocabulary is less and their their actually speech isn't as is clear. Um, sure, sure. And and I don't know if, you know, everybody has strong points like he's he's behind in like penmanship and 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 book work kind of stuff because that's not his he's not in he's not been into that you know he's also terrible at standing in line <laughs> well for any him. kid that's going on through public school they're pretty good at standing they in got line. that down by now yeah well, and you know the mask stuff too he's not he's not any good at that <laughs> oh, good. thank god for that but yeah. it reminds me this what you're talking about and the john teller gatto reference is that when, and I never really understood this, like they're not used to, it's not natural to be in a peer group like that. Mm -hmm. And I think about, I knew a guy, I knew a guy, he was a priest who went to the seminary with my uncle. So I knew him since before I was born and I visited him. He was a missionary in Peru. And we took like a five hour boat trip up the Amazon. And he was like, you better hope the boat doesn't back down because those people every once in a while, They've like, you know, I don't know if they eat people or kill somebody. They, I don't think they eat people. I think that was that was Captain Cook in Hawaii. But he said that you, it's not safe. And he and he sympathized with them. He's like, they've gotten nothing but trouble from people on these boats, like, you know, historically. Yeah. But he would tell me about the natives that he worked with and how they he said they never taught the kids anything ever, ever, ever. It was just them. It was just the kids following around the older people and, and they never even talked about it. They just modeled the behavior. And when they modeled the behavior, the kids picked it up. And I, and I feel like you don't get any of that in the peer group environment. Everything gets translated, abstracted into words and text, which is so much less good. And by it being all in text, I love books, you know me, but <clears throat> about it all being like that, what you've done is you've really <clears throat> filtered it into some, some abstractions that have already been defined. And you aren't gonna just really understand something in your own way as well by reading somebody else's words about it than actually experiencing it. And I also think that the fact that it's this, you know, peer group situation with everything just abstracted into text, you could also bring in the parable of the talents where the parable of talents is like everybody has different things. And in the same context, somebody may seem lesser, but in other contexts, they may seem stronger. And mm -hmm. like on a, on a farm family, <clears throat> so child labor, I just love that uh, parks and recreation <laughs> quote, the guys like child labor laws are ruining this country. And it's so funny. Ha ha ha. Um, and I'm, and I'm not looking for sweatshops and 12 hour days, but, mm -hmm. but the idea that, kids can contribute like that. Boy, is that a lesson? That's another thing. Somebody told me when my kids were little, like you need to get them to help around the house. And I'm like, no, it's just easier for me to do it. That was a mistake. I did when they were teenagers, I was like, oh shoot, like I gotta, I gotta get on it. And they're great at, they can completely take care of themselves now, but it would have been a little more natural. And I, I feel like in a farm, like if, if you have too much work to do, 
then nobody's on screens and everybody has to pull their weight. See, I, I could handle the work, so I didn't pass it on to them. But mm-hmm. in, a, in an environment where everybody has to pull their weight, they can do what they can do. And they're going to want to do more and better because it's more interesting as it levels up. Yeah. And it's just a, an unnatural environment, but that it also, I don't think develops the mind. This is why I like that Ted Kaczynski thing. I can't stand it, but the yeah. technological slavery, I mean, he explains yes. the human being and, and so well. it's just not right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you know the name of our son's uh, lemonade stand? Did we tell you that or give you a button or anything from that? Oh, no. He has a lemonade stand that he puts up from time to time. Child labor lemonade. <laughs> Yeah, he does oh well. God. People think I, it's I super am, funny. I, no am way. On, I am on board with you on this 100%. Like, I think children working is really good. And if anything, child labor laws are just making it that if they ever do do any work, you're not allowed to pay them for it. Yeah. That it's just chores, that it needs to be by an allowance or something like that. But, uh, I mean, I started working very young, like by, by, by 11, I was, I was, I was pulling my lawnmower down the road and, and just going door to door and saying, can I mow your lawn? And, uh, well, how much, I don't know, 10 bucks. Sure. And then I come back a week later and I say, can I do it again? And they say, yeah, but I'm going to give you 15 because you did a really good, great job. You know, wow, that and, just shows how much younger you are than I'm like 10 bucks to mow a lawn when I was yeah, 12. Yeah, right, right. There is no <laughs> chance you can get 10 bucks. To mow. I would get a dollar for doing you know, 45 minutes of work for one of my older siblings. But I liked right. it because it would buy an Italian ice. Yeah, there you go. But it uh, but it comes down to that. It's 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 so good for kids to get out and and work and they feel really good. I felt really good. I see my son feel really good when he goes out and he accomplishes something. And especially when they do it on their own, when they don't have someone coddling them through and showing them what to do when they're not an apprentice, but they're the one actually doing the work. And it's, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. so, so good for their self-esteem and their, and their ability to move forward. And then just kind of right along in with this too, you know, talking about the, the, kids and the interacting with their peers, something that really struck me hard because we were homeschooling before uh, we were homeschooling back in 2019 when the world was a different world. And uh, the most common response to people finding out I was homeschooling was, well, what are you doing about socialization? Aren't you concerned about socialization? And I'd say, well, you know, we have, he's in he was in Cub Scouts at that time. And, you know, we do this and we do that. And, and, I, and, I, and basically yeah. I, I had these canned answers, which were truthful canned answers that would tell them how I'm socializing my kid, because I felt that that was necessary to respond. But then in March of 2020, suddenly this thing happens where I turned around, I was starting to say to people, so how about that socialization that you were so concerned about last year? Because now I'm continuing to socialize my kid and you're not. And all of them are covering their faces. And you're still telling me that I'm wrong. And how about their development? Yeah, it was no longer important. And the thing is that it, and it does have a devastating effect to put those masks on to, to shield the mother's face from a child, that kind of thing. And it's not the peer to peer stuff that's, that's ruining causing them mental health issues. And for me, I looked back, I recall, uh, so I'm reading these book boundaries and stuff like that. And, uh, and the Jordan Peterson thing. And he talks about how to raise kids that aren't wild. 
and I, I looked at the things that he did and my kids are pretty wild. <laughs> and I thought, I looked at the things that he suggested and I had done all those things. I had them. They did all that stuff. They went always to school. I never felt that I could homeschool. I never really thought I could do anything because my oldest son was the one with Down syndrome and he was really took a lot of time. I guess I could have done things differently. I don't know, but I did basically everything they would tell you to socialize a kid. I did with my kids probably more than anybody else because the other one took a hundred percent of my attention mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it didn't, it made no difference whatsoever. It made it actually, I think that it resulted in more social anxiety and uh, perhaps because you know, I'm not the mom. My mother always told me, she's like, the way the kids have friends, if you have friends with the mother or you go to the PTA, I mean, that's it. They're the ones who get chosen for the play. They're the ones who <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And I'm, and I'm like, wow. And I never did. She never did it. And I never did it. So yeah, maybe no, that right. hybrid thing doesn't really work. And um, I don't really, know, but you know. Socialization is when you're interacting with your kid, that's socializing. We are socializing right now. When my husband and I are talking, uh, you know, in the evenings, that's socializing. Dinner time is socializing. So, so that all of that's happening all the time. And then especially if you let your kids speak for themselves when you're out in public, instead of answering for them, they have a hundred million opportunities throughout a day. Like giving like our oldest $5 when we go to the grocery store and he is supposed to buy enough food for one meal and I am getting everything else. And then he's got, you know, math is happening and like a decision making and then him asking or often we'll be at the store and he'll wonder what's somebody doing. You know, they're pushing around that thing that waxes the floor or whatever. And I was like, I don't know. Why don't you ask him? So he goes and asks the guy and the, he's asking all these questions about the machine and the guy's telling him everything he knows about his job. You know, oh, I might like to do that job when I'm older, you know, <laughs> all of that, all of that is socialization. And I was so, so aware of the masks and the mom and the baby's oh, face because yeah. I had a newborn in November of 2020. And I was like walking around the stores, you know, postpartum and like tears just because I could yeah. see all these women and their children yeah. and they were not connecting. And I was, there's no way I'm doing this to my kid, no matter what we have to do. This is not happening. I'm not ever putting on a mask and looking at my baby and not being able to smile at him. It's insane. Yeah. That did break my heart. My niece had a baby around that time. And I just wrote to them and I was like, please, like they were, they had to wear masks. She was in the hospital. They had to wear masks. Oh. And I was like, please, is someone sneaking that kid a smile, please? Yes, please. Because like, that was the crazy. biggest, biggest People reason have been why doing, we were doing that. The home birth is, is no masks. And they've been doing psychological experiments like since the seventies using Absolutely. Masks. masks, just like the ones we've been using that just cover the lower part of your face and watching the differences in in babies in particular infants and how they react to their mothers based on whether or not they can see their nose and mouth and it's always been negative always been negative it's it like is. they compiled enough information to see how negative an impact this would have and then in 2020 they're like let's do it let's just do that to all the kids well, I was just, I just did the show today. I was digging into some stuff on the World Economic Forum website uh, in regard to the new UK PM, yeah. who's mm -hmm. an Infosys guy. Mm -hmm. And Infosys, his wife is an Infosys billionaire. Infosys is basically building that open air prison that Alison McDowell what? told us about. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were saying how, like, as luck would have it, 
COVID pushed everybody into these hybrid workspaces and isolated individuals. And it gave us all these, all this data on virtual worlds and um, different uh, experiments, basically, on how to get people to cope. And there's a lot of stuff on mental health. I think that they they understand that their virtual world is so unnatural. And this mm-hmm. comes out of Uncle Ted too, where he's like, okay, people have to take Prozac because the world is not suited to their brains. And now it's going to be VR. It's going to have to go past. I think that's why they rolled out that DBT stuff so hardcore. Like they need mindfulness and taking breaks. Like when I saw what they were writing, it's like, I read about that in that DBT book. Yeah. And I, because they knew how um, difficult it would be psychologically for people. And there's, I highly doubt they aren't paying attention to that stuff too with the babies. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's a, it's, it's a shame. I've heard people, people have heard the age of our, of our almost two year old and they go, Oh, he's a COVID baby. Ah, you know, I don't like that. What an awful! Like, oh my gosh! I feel is that like the generation. I think they're insinuating that, that he was conceived because we were on lockdown. And I want yeah. to say I I took <laughs> the pregnancy test on Friday, March thirteenth, which was the day that uh, Trump declared Fr- a national Friday, Friday the thirteenth. Yeah, oh yeah, national it state was... of emergency. So I was already knowing what was coming, and like I was yes. already pregnant. So but I just th- want to thanks to people yes. like you, Monica. Cool. We knew what was coming. Yeah, we knew it was coming. <laughs> Thank you. You gave us a little clue, you know, the one event to a one stuff. I'm like, are they really doing this? Are they going to, yes. no, this is going to be like the other SARS stuff and they're going to pull back from it. It's no big deal. No, they really went for but it. But I but guess you said that I didn't think it would still be that bad in November. And I, I mean, think I, you were really, I think you were being kind and trying to reassure me that, oh no, no, everything will be fine by the time you have the baby. And I'm going, I don't want to even chance it. We got to figure I did. Out. I do remember talking about like, so if you had to have a home birth and then you told me, it was like, I think there's a barn. <laughs> I oh yeah. I, I was going to, there's a, a, a rope I could uh, hang from it. <laughs> yeah, put some cardboard rope, down. <laughs> yeah. No, it was in the, in the comfort of my own bedroom. It was very nice. <laughs> when, when people have said COVID baby to me, that's, that's, I just hadn't thought of that. That it's cause they talk about the COVID baby boom. Yeah. Cause everyone was, uh, staying home together. I don't, know. I don't know. I think we saw more thing. divorce than babies out of it. Yes. It's not but, like we didn't have anything else to do. We were plugged into the screens. No, it's when you when have I've a, heard the a term, blackout that you have babies. Right? When, when I've heard the term COVID baby, I think people are thinking, oh, they're one of the babies that never saw their mother's face. Yeah, or, or you'll or see those. strangers' faces at least. Uh, but there'll be viral videos with like uh, a baby seeing a dog, a toddler seeing a dog for the first time. Oh, and then saying, oh, she was a COVID baby. She's never seen a dog uh, before. Uh, and I just like, oh, I just throw my, <laughs> well, my computer down. <laughs> right then and there, you can see how they can carry out the experiment because that's the name of the experimental group. Mm-hmm. So are you a COVID baby? And yeah. then yes, it's, it can't, it's not going to be at the exact same time, but it will be at the exact same time as the kids before and the kids after. Yeah. So yeah. my guess is that generational handle will be limited very strictly to those two years or whatever yeah. years mm-hmm. so that they can just tell well, you know, or whatever. They'll I'd like to data. think that our son's going to grow up. And if he is labeled in that due to the, the year of his birth, that it'll, he'll be like, yeah, just the same way that I, I come in just under the wire. I'm barely called a millennial, like yeah. by, by one year, some, some estimations I'm not some, I am some yeah. I'm Gen X, some I'm, I'm millennial. But if I do, if I did consider myself a millennial, I'd be like, not 
a millennial or yes, whatever, yeah. you know, no. like, yeah. I don't know. Uh, and I, and I'd hope that he would be in that boat of like, I'm no COVID baby. I am not. Yeah, that would be that a, a terrible label for him to have to bear. Those but are he, the kids who are stuck on the VR sets. I'm not stuck. <laughs> yes. on the VR Oh, set. They called them in that research I was doing today. They called them digital native kids, digital wow. native where they Meaning- grew up. They grew up in that. That was on the yeah. WEF stuff. Yeah. So that's yeah. right after my kids didn't have a phone until they were went to this private high school. So 13 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that was bad enough, honestly. But yeah, it really breaks my heart when I see people have the little babies. They take them to the restaurants and they put them in the high chair and they give them an iPad. Yeah. Oh, and- yeah, I know. Well, yeah, we even it was years ago. Um because our oldest was was in a stroller still we went to a mall in a big city and we didn't have we didn't bring a stroller something something we needed to go pay for one like they had like a yeah. dispenser of strollers and right there on it was a iPad kind of deal <gasps> and he was touching it and playing with it and it was like oh we, we wow. had to figure out how to disable it because he was going to start, it was going to start charging us at some point. Yeah, it wanted us like, to put a credit card in or something wow. keep, like, to keep playing the games. It was like, you know, pay pay per game or whatever. But that would have been yeah. a cool six plus years ago. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, I mean this I, has been in the works they, for a long time. And they snap. Those kids will immediately, once they understand what a screen can do, mm-hmm. it's just, there's really no getting them back. And I never would do that except for now that my son who has Down syndrome is 20. I took him out with that, my listener friend. And I was just like, I'm not paying a babysitter to sit with this kid. I'm going to take him with me, but he feels bad because he really cannot follow the conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's like us talking. It's just, you know, totally commuting on a level that's way too high for him. So I let him like plug into my phone and watch YouTube or whatever, but I'm so embarrassed. And then I think of humility and I'm like, you know what? This is hum- I have a little humility here and I maybe I won't judge people for that. Um, but it, it with the little babies do it, I think to myself like, okay, is this happening right now for these 30 minutes a week that you take this kid out with you? Unlikely because I, I would put my kids in front of the TV because I had to do the laundry and stuff. I oh, mean, yeah. you just have to. And I, but TV people used to crap on TV all the time, but it's a world different. A world. I know it's it has, so much better than the, than yes, the interactive it's so much better iPad. because, because you sit next to each other. So my husband and I will put something on watch the X-Files or whatever. And I insist on having a little Apple remote because I will, he's so patient. I love him. He loves me. <laughs> he just loves me. So he doesn't, nothing, it doesn't bother. He just likes the way I am, but he's got ADD. So he doesn't matter. Mind that every five minutes I pause it. And I'm just like, so this is why, because we watched the X-Files, like starting from the beginning, the whole thing. It's like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what happened right now. Like that thing, like you see how it has that twist? Like that was completely in the congressional record today, yeah, you know? Yeah. Or that's whatever. how we watch TV too. So I totally yeah. understand. I think and most people in this truther by. community yeah. can't watch TV without having the remote. And, oh. and it's like, you got to explain every little thing it's mystery to, science to... theater 3000 like that's yes, yes, yes but the kids walk by see the kids will walk by it's near the kitchen and somebody they can't eat in their room so they'll sit there and you know eat an ice pop or whatever and they'll absorb this and sometimes i'll put something on that i i want them to kind of like catch on yeah. the on the side mm-hmm. to come upstairs but it's social and you know what they're watching because you hear it yeah. you look at it and right. it's something we always had to watch something that everybody could watch so it would be like my it's a centralized thing well yes. everyone has their own screen now so 
a room, a family of four could be sitting in the same room watching four different movies or different shows or whatever. And yeah, we're just scrolling. The, and the truth is, it to destroy individual minds one absolutely. by one. Because wow. then at the end of that that day, say, say you spend an hour of family time where everyone's got their own screen and mm-hmm. then you're done with that. There's no conversation between yep. each other on what, what just happened. I honestly, I use television and video games. It's part of the homeschool that we do. You know, like we, I, when, when I sit down and watch Scooby-Doo, uh, I sit down and watch it and we, I, I'm pausing it. <laughs> yeah, we do. That <laughs> Maybe not every five too. minutes when, yeah. when it's a kid's show. But I'm I'm definitely saying, hey, you see where this propaganda is? Do you see this? Do you see that? Or do you? This is a reference to something else. Yeah. Or, or and, yeah, oh, this is like an old horror movie. Let me tell you about this Twilight Zone episode that it's referencing. Yes. You know, little we, things like that. You can also what I do a lot is I'll stop it and explain why the values are right or wrong. Sure. So when I saw Do the Right Thing, which I probably saw in a movie theater, <laughs> that's how I mean, I actually think I might be too young for having seen that in the movie theater, but maybe not. <laughs> Don't make me check the math on that because it probably <laughs> won't come out in my favor. <laughs> but I remember being shocked. And then and then a bookend on the other end of that is was a uh, it was the big Lebowski, Jeff Bridges, whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Bridges mm-hmm. was in a movie kind of recently. It was like a Western thing. It was a couple of years ago. It got good reviews. But in both of those cases, in the first case, I was like, he totally did the wrong thing. Why is that called do the right thing? He did the wrong thing. And it just culturally changed everything. And then the other movie was about how like they reversed the stereotypes. So like the white guys were the, you know, lazy, dusty, whatever, Speedy Gonzalez's cousin <laughs> or, and the criminals and all of that. And then they presented the virtue thing on the other side. I was like, oh, wow. Like they're, they're rolling out. The white people are the despised minority to quote the report from Iron Mountain. And, yeah. um, but you can see sometimes the values are things that I agree with and I'll say like that was right. And sometimes I disagree with them, but I want to know what the culture is telling the kids so that I can um, help them navigate that. Yeah. But, but they do tailor it when they have their own screens. I mean, my daughter will show me, she's, she'll show me like kitty, kitty thing or bunnies. She likes bunnies. She has therapy bunnies. So she'll show me the bunny thing and then it'll just pop up like, um, why the Roe versus Wade ruling is wrong, you know, and then it'll be bunny, 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 bunny. And then it'll be like, why we should send more money to Ukraine. And then it's like bunny, bunny, bunny. And, and they're doing that to her. Wow. And she, she yeah. think, like, she'll, she'll say to me, can you believe that Clarence Thomas? And I'm like, do not make me talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't want to like respond to that, but she, she is smart enough to know, you know, to be able to think straight for herself, but it's just, she doesn't even notice it. I don't know if she does not, but it's just, I notice it. She's like, oh, that's just the political ones. Don't, you know, just look at the bunnies. I'm like, no, no more TikTok. <laughs> and she's like, Jeez. okay. And that's why in our house with our nine-year-old now, it's there's a, no YouTube unless it's on an open screen. There's never headphones. So it's in the same space yes. as us so that I but can kind of have yes. an ear. And so that it. sometimes when I start hearing someone just like screaming, whatever something over and yeah. over again i walk in and go what are you watching 
Mm, I think we're done. Like you know? this guy, like, this, and it's not know, necessarily that it's bad. He's playing a video game and he's it, excited about it, but he's just yelling something over and, and over like, again. It's the same it's guy just yelling over and over. Like find someone else playing the same video yes. game. That's less annoying. That's really bad for them. I really agree with you there. Like that kind of like mindless crap. So my son with Down syndrome loves YouTube, but finally I splurge again. I mean, this is probably uh the satan great satan i, I he wanted <laughs> disney plus and i was like anything but the youtube so he's but he's in the middle of the room i feel like if you have very few if you have to compete for screens and if they're out there so that people can hear them um but the thing about youtube is they you cannot curate it and maybe you can now but i spent many many hours on many different occasions just trying to curate it so that my son who has down syndrome could watch it i could not figure it out and they you even they have a setting they don't allow kids. it no, no they have it's a, babies. they have the kids ones and i feel like it's worse it's like and then they're going to show you stuff and it's going to be sneaky like you're you're not going to notice it it's going to sound fine there's still crap in there and then they then they eliminate a lot of things that i am fine with them watching right yeah you know so it's like then we would put that filter on and then it would be him coming and saying hey i want to watch this video but i can't can you look at it and i'd look at it and be like oh yeah that's absolutely fine let me turn the filter off so you can watch that video and then Okay, it's over. I'm going to turn the filter back on. I don't know. It was if they just had a. I'm not an advocate of this policy or that policy, but if they had like a TV 14 thing, Mm -hmm. like the Mm -hmm. TVs have, or that's all you need. That's so you can do different different. You can have a setting, not just on whatever. Yeah, because then then within within that that filter too, there was a point where he was watching something and it went from one video to another. And then suddenly I look at it and he's and, and he's watching like cartoons of the Super Mario Brothers that fans have made. And it is like Mario and Luigi trying to get with um, sure, Princess exactly. Peach. And exactly. it's like super inappropriate, like totally. very inappropriate. No, but for I know. whatever reason, that algorithm let that, that slide no, through. No, it's and I'm outrageous. Going, yeah, that yeah. shouldn't even exist. I mean, that shouldn't exist. That's right. That shouldn't be uh, on there. Whether So YouTube has, they bragged years ago about having 10,000 human sensors to augment their sensor algorithms, right? So they have all of that and my stuff gets taken down all the time. But Let's not that. say- Right. Yeah. Let's say that it's a private company and that they're just doing what they think is best. Okay, we'll say that. <laughs> yeah, let's just say that. What? Why? Why do they? What benefit do they possibly get? They don't put actual porn on there. They only put, you know, they give a whole new meaning to like kitty porn. They put yeah. stuff porn yeah. there for child audiences. Like, who? How is that okay? Why isn't that? Why isn't anyone, anyone speaking out about that? Of all the freaking laws that we have to have. That the, the I get censored for criticizing elected officials for stepping <laughs> outside the purview of their authority, and I get I people get warnings about me yeah. for, I, for for direct quotes probably too. You're not you're not fabricating right. anything. You're giving direct quotes. You're saying information that you read on the CDC's website or something, right? Exactly. And then that gets that gets censored. Yeah. So your decision to get uh, Disney Plus, I think, is a good one, even though it is satanic, Nazi, whatever. Absolutely. But also that all the Simpsons are there. So right. So do? my son loves the Simpsons and yeah. you can set it to 14. Oh, you can. OK, cool. yeah. So oh, I neat. set it to 14 and I know it's got satanic. And literally the first time I walked in, it was like some vampire thing. Yeah, but gosh. whatever. I don't it, it doesn't you know, there might be subliminal stuff. I don't really care about that. It's that 
that other stuff that's just unacceptable and it feeds them. And it, there can only be one explanation in my mind. And that is they hate my kids and they want to twist their brains up. No, I, and I mean right. that YouTube just takes from them. They, they make it, it gets in this rhythm where they keep seeing the next thing before the first thing's done and they need to click it. And it's like just one more video and that could be a 20 minute video. And then they'll see an ad for a different one and they'll jump to that. It's like, well, and, and Netflix and, and I'm sure Disney plus I'm like all those apps kind of do this thing. Uh, uh, Amazon prime does it where you, you watch a TV show. You're, if you're watching X files on a streaming service, I bet that before those credits have gotten very far, there's a little timer that's going three, two, one, and then you got the next episode. Yeah, you don't get to finish the credits yes. and the next one starts, right? And as as full functioning brained adults, you know, like we can we can, you know, watch the credits if we choose to pick up the remote and, you know, cancel that out and, you know, watch the credits all the way through to the end and then end it and come back the next day or whatever. But particularly with young kids, and I see it in my own I'll say He'll be watching a TV show on Netflix and I'll say, this is the last episode. And then we got to brush teeth. It's time for bed. And he's 100% with me. And I walk away for two minutes and I come back and I'm like, I don't think this is the same episode. And he's like, no, I, I'm pretty sure it is. And I look yeah. and it's one minute into the next one. He doesn't they, even know that. He, that he just notice. can never stop. Yeah. Because it's yeah. cutting off the credits and it's cutting off the intro. So, so it's just like finishing one plot line and going into the next, or if as adult programming is now, uh, it's often one storyline. It's like a continued soap opera, uh, soap opera type plot line. So you, if you're not paying sharp enough attention, it just keeps going and you Speeding don't know that you watch 10 episodes. You think you've just been watching one really long one. And you just, you know, for me, if I don't pay attention to it, I like, I'll clean the house. Like I'll just, as, as long as nobody's making any noise. See, so I have a weird yeah. situation because like I have, I, I will basically always have, you know, maybe an eight-year-old or a six-year-old. Like my son, yeah. he's, he's awesome. I hope that you will meet him someday. Uh, he's super, I just love this kid and um, I respect him, but he's really never going to go to the point where uh, no, he's an adult. So I have to keep him supervised and, and I can just see how easy it is to just let, let kids babysit themselves that way. And I remember seeing a video Binkley showed me where the guy was saying how, you know, this was a, um, the info, like the, it used to be called the psyops division. Now it's called like information operations division mm -hmm. of like a joint, all the different military. Yeah. So it was a military guy in uniform. And he said like these kids, they have that we can get inside the minds of every single kid within seconds. And he like literally was pretending like he was holding a phone. So they know that they're getting inside the kids' heads and you really have to be, I think, uh, vigilant about that. However, I also don't think you need to just have no screens in your house. Right. If you, I actually just think if you have a limited number of screens in the house that it's, that it's fine. If there's competition for screen time, then it's, you don't have everybody just plugged in all the time. And then even just thinking about not taking them with you. Like we have chosen not to get smartphones. We never had them. So it's not something we gave up. It's just, we've never gone there. 
Um, we do, I, you know, I have an iPad, I have an iPod touch. I use like a camera, but we don't ever have the internet with us when we're not in the house. And I think that's huge. Like we've never sat down at a table at a restaurant and, and gone there. We've never, um, had it in the car, but our, our son does have a Nintendo switch and sometimes he wants to play handheld. So that's always like, yeah, you know, we're on a long road trip. You can play for part of the time, but you know, make sure you're looking outside because cool stuff is happening too. You know, you miss out on the world if you're just looking yeah. down all the time. Yeah. But I think that all of that is, yeah, it's just a, it's a way to consume us and to separate us. And a lot about what we talk about on this podcast is these things that seem to kind of come into the forefront of my mind as, as things that are intentionally trying to split up the family unit. And like when I think of like um, the feminist movement and getting women back into the workplace, right. That's, that's a big one. Or when I think about nursing homes and nursing how to, homes. yeah. I I have to say um, uh-huh. we can get back. Let's circle up with this. I want to sure. make a comment about technology yeah. being the thing that breaks up yeah. families, mm. but I am so upset that they thoroughly destroyed legacy mothering. I'm going to call it like I, there are so, so much wisdom and importance that like the idea that I was brainwashed into thinking that mothering was an afterthought or a, you know, something that you did, you could do without even trying that yeah. you could do it and have a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And I just look around and I think of all, if I had, I, it's like, it's, and I got another thing from Ted Kaczynski. This really sounds crazy. I've got to stop <laughs> referring to him. I don't know why. No, please do. I totally mind. understand. He's yeah, Uncle like, Ted in this house. <laughs> okay, great. And then I, I, I talked to Bellamy, the green anarchist, the first time I talked to him, uh, it was the same thing where they said, living like that permaculture or living without technology, living off the land is highly intellectual and creative. And you are absolutely trained that if it's not in a book with, you know, arrows and stuff or vectors and words (laughs) that it's not intellectual. And I just think if I, I think back and if I had really put my, um, all of my effort into parenting, how great it would have been. And if, you know, my mother was pretty burnt out by the time I came along, I was the ninth and whatever. So, and she was Irish to start out with. And I, of course I love her to (laughs) death, but that's, those aren't this, you know, that that's not like what, you know, and I was thinking about that today, uh, not even because we were going to be on the show together, but I was just, I think it was because I was testing my kombucha or I can't believe I'm running out of sauerkraut. This is the first time this has happened. And I, I can't live without the sauerkraut. It's going to take a month. And, oh, I know what it was. I was like, oh, I have to tell those guys. Um, I'm going to make red cabbage with red onions and beets. Ooh, good. And yeah. it's going to be awesome. And I love that. And it's I, I'm going to make it perfectly. And I'll see if it works. And it's going to have that nice red color, which I love. And uh, she'll just love that, but she probably already knows that you can put beets and sauerkraut because she knows this stuff. And, you know, she has all that, uh, legacy knowledge and it's so skillful what you do. My husband's finally getting on board with like preserved food as a health thing. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I have to get with Lanny again because I need variety. This guy ain't eating my beet sauerkraut. No way. <laughs> But he'll eat pickled green beans because I can throw them in a Bloody Mary. Like I need ideas. He'll eat, he'll eat that salsa. I haven't tried that yet. Oh, yeah, that's and, a good one. 
you know, you just know about um, th- those things about even organ meats and, and fermented foods. I mean, these are things that were completely lost to us, yeah. uh, home remedies for illnesses and all of that. I mean, that is rich stuff. And you, for you to learn that at the knee, the way we're talking about your son getting off the land and, and not, or people who are not homeschooled, but are having this modeling experience or direct contact experience. I mean, there's no substitute for that. And I'm only just starting to think about it now. And I feel really sad that I've I I could have made so much more of my life, you know, if I had applied myself in a way that would have really imparted the the effort uh, to my own children who yeah. I owe such a great duty to and it would be, you know, payment to my forebears who I owe, you know, a debt of gratitude for all the things that they did. They were Pennsylvania Dutch farmers and my, the Irish people too. I mean, they were really scrapping it out. <laughs> well, you know, Monica, what, what you're hitting on here, if, if I were to say there's like one, one, uh, overall goal of the world as it is today, I mean, we go down a lot of different rabbit holes and we have fun episodes and this and that, but there's this like overarching topic that we have that is like, as we started, we were talking about the destruction of the nuclear family and how that's, that's not, I don't see that as a good thing. However, as we got deeper into it, we started seeing that the creation of the nuclear family, I I believe it was a massive psyop on our entire culture to destroy what, what, what we've been coining as the traditional family. And generational the, family. the generational yeah. family and that and that that's where this legacy information should be coming from but the nuclear family destroyed that that it all of a sudden it went from a family that would have up to great grandparents uh grand uh grandparents parents children and grandchildren like all all in one one large homestead home where they're all working together and they're all communicating together from the littlest one to the oldest one, all in the same, in the same family, in the same, in the same world. (laughs) But all of a sudden it started being, okay, grandpa and grandma go into a, to a nursing home. Uh, The second that the children graduate high school and are 18, they don't live at home anymore. Uh, Dad works all day so that mom has to stay home, has to stay home yeah. And this is where That's the feminism the starts coming in. And this is all this all and go to the grocery it, store. This all happened yeah. in the 50s. Like, you know, yes. I mean, there there were we we've gone in a little bit on nursing homes and the and the development of those, but it wasn't really until the Social 1950s. After yes. World War mm-hmm. II, as the baby boomers started coming in, that grandpa and grandma started getting out of the house. Yeah. That, well, you didn't have the time and resources at home to take care of them because you were out working. So you had to earn the money to then put them in the home. But, and Social or Security you can look at it the other way. Time. Social Security allowed for that. They don't want to kiss your ass either. Yeah. And then another aspect that comes in right at that same time, too, is uh, as home convenience items, uh, packaged TV food, dinners, TV yeah. dinners. Exactly. Yeah. TV, some, sum it all up as TV dinners. So now mom being the only one home all day while the kids are off at school, we don't teach the kids. They go to school. Grandpa and grandma are in the home. Dad's at work all day. And then theoretically, there could still be a load of work. But all of a sudden, 
now TV dinners, vacuum cleaners, you know, like whatever else, washing machines, all these things that suddenly it makes the perfect, perfect condition for by the 1960s and 70s to say, hey, they're forcing, you're a slave. You're stuck at home. All you can do is drink wine and sit around and wait for your family to come home. Yes. And, and, And that's when feminism comes in and then, you know, th- th- there's there's a few more steps and all of a sudden we get to the point where now the nuclear family is dying and people like me at first I'm going, no, no, that's bad. Stop. Right. We need to get back to the nuclear family. But the deeper I go on that, yeah. the more I'm like, no, that's what the problem. That was so that's how we got to here where it's like single parent homes and, you know, like every family has to have two houses because the spouses don't get along. And then you got step families and and everybody has to work to pay you know the attorney fees (laughs) yes i i have a couple of things about that one is i actually it would frustrate me that so you're totally right about going away to college and then living my mother always said that that the wars took the boys away from the small towns but it's college does it now Mm -hmm. and uh I always wondered, I might've told you this, but I always wondered like, why is the human body designed to live to 85? Like that's natural death. That's the generally speaking, that's natural death. And it makes no sense because fertility ends around 50. Mm -hmm. So you should not live. Like there's no evolutionary impetus to keep 35 years of non-productive life unless grandparents enhance the longevity of offspring. Mm-hmm. So I've always thought that it's perfect. My kids, especially my one with Down syndrome and my mom are like on the exact same wavelength. They yeah. watch Tom and Jerry. They both watch Jeopardy. <laughs> and my mom needs us and we need her. And instead, you know, we have to hire somebody to go clean her house. We have to hire somebody to watch this kid because we don't live near each other anymore. Mm-hmm. But they, it would be so great. Like I beg my mother, she does not think California is a place that people live. She thinks it's like a beach. Like, so she's a place where people die. Yeah. She can't handle <laughs> That's it. And, and she, to her credit, she won't move away from the cemetery where mm-hmm. everybody's buried, which, Aww. and I go to that cemetery and I walk around. And I'm like, I want to be buried here too. Like this is where all yeah. my friends are. Yeah. You know, everybody I love is here. And, uh, but if we were together, it would be, it would be so much more efficient, so much cost saving. But what I really want from her is to impart her values to my kids in a way yes. that like, I'm not great at even religion. Like I am so molded by my mother's strong faith, even if I don't have the faith, but because I don't have that level of faith, I don't live it the way she does. And I don't explain it to my kids that way. I don't model it that way. They need that. They need to be able to draw from hers. And then by the time I'm her age, maybe I will have all of that stuff. And so even now, as my son is looking for colleges, uh, he's picking some colleges. I know I try to argue with him, fat myth. I'm like, are you sure you want to go to college? And I'm like, maybe you can go to a place that like teaches you agorism. I don't know. If he's, if he's a critical enough thinker, he'll tear the college up. The college won't tear him. (laughs) You'll get more out of the college. Yeah. Yeah. Because like the one, papers he needs to get the job. Yeah, I know too. I tell him like go to medical school or go to whatever, yeah. be ag, like bring it to bring it to the outlands, you know, help yeah. us. But I won't I when he's looking at different places, I'm like, I'm never moving to you know that place. Like, I don't want you to go there because if you end up there, I want you to go where I want to be, go to Texas or anywhere where like I might end up because 
I'm, I want to be there for you and your kids and your family. I want to have a farm for your kids to go to on the all summer long. Like I'm trying to reestablish that intergenerational homestead because they'll need it. I mean, those kids are going to be jacked into the matrix if there's nobody there watching out for them. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned all these skills that I I know now, but I, I have, I've had to intentionally learn them. Like I've, I've discovered how important they are and I just dove into that and obsessively well, and, and, and you're self-taught and, and essentially new at it. Imagine what our grandkids, if, if we, if life plays out the way we're, we're trying to make things play out. If, if we're still living here and we're living here with our, with our grandkids one day, and they're the ones who are fermenting and canning things yeah. like they will be doing things that we don't no, believe. The, they'll the probably shortcut. still be eating the salsa that's in your fridge. Actually. It's still yeah. the fridge. <laughs> <It's still laughs> it'll, it'll still be the experiment. Do you have the Foxfire thing? You know the Foxfire um, books? I don't know. It's Appalachian. There, I have yeah, them. I there want used them. to be a yeah. per, an entire set in this house, but it disappeared. Uh, so we we hope point. that we might find it in his parents' house. I, I only someday. have a like a new one and it's Appalachian. So I don't know if it really applies to your region, mm-hmm. although there's a lot of, there's a lot in there, there, but yeah. I just feel like it needs, I needed it for the tunnel library. So when the grid yeah, goes down or sure. whatever, I I'm going to, I have like, that's why when I just was saying, I have to move out of this house. And I, I mean, I definitely have way more than a thousand books and I've just got to, I've got, I have to, I can't let them go because I've been collecting them with that in mind. Yeah, well, and you just sent me an excellent book for my yes. library. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for that. There, yeah. It is getting hard to find that one. Yes. I actually, you had mentioned it before on a podcast. Say the name of it because I'm going to say it It's Dorothy Hall. I think it's called um, Natural, the Natural Health Handbook. Yes, I think so. Yeah. And Stella, a listener you may know and love, recommended yeah. yes, that I to love me. Stella. From Australia, yes, right? Yes. And I've yeah. been accumulating copies of that. You got, I think, the last hardcover I got. Yeah. When I had heard you mentioned it, I looked for it and I couldn't find it. So that's yeah, it I think really I bought exciting them all. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Oh, good, <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Um, yeah. I mean, all of this information that we have, yeah, it is kind of like um, when I meet people who grew up with their family preserving, they have like this different understanding about it. And they're this, this, it doesn't come with this fear of what they're doing. I think when I learned, I was really afraid because I think another psyop that is supposed to separate us from our food is, is um, food poisoning and food handling and, botulism. and botulism and E. coli and salmonella and the news and being really scary and really big. And only the experts can tell you about it. You, you can only see it under a microscope. You don't know when it's going to make you sick. You're not sure how it comes to be. And, and no one ever tries to teach those parts of it. So all you know when you start canning is like, I can give my family botulism. I won't be able to see it or smell it. And then everyone will die. And um, that's not true. It's really actually simple the way it works. And people knew this because, um, you know, think of like canning is like an industrial uh, way of preserving food. You need a certain kind of a jar and those things need to be made in a factory. So we haven't been doing it forever, but We've been doing canning longer than we have been doing pressure canning. We used to do just water bath canning for everything, including meat. And now that's off the table. But those people knew that when you canned meat like that, that you needed to bring that to boiling temperature before you served it. And that takes care of the problem. Oh, But because botulism spores can can survive a high heat 
and they're harmless. But when they become a botulism toxin, they can't survive boiling, but that's when they can make you sick. So if you boil your food before you eat it, then you're okay. And that's the kinds of stuff like on any blog for canning, no one will ever just straight say that out because they're afraid of the liability of somebody yes. getting sick. And so we, we don't even share that information Ugh. that it's just this like simpler way of looking at it or like thinking of when I, the first time I made sauerkraut and being afraid that I was going to make my kids sick because I was leaving food on the counter. And that's like a big, no, I mean, you're drunk at a party when you're a kid, you eat pizza the next morning, then some reason that's fine. You're going to, you don't die from that, but sauerkraut, you know, you're going to murder everyone. So it's like this, this way of like getting back to like, just understanding that you don't have to fear your food. These things are naturally built into them as mechanisms to preserve them. So humans can survive and, I mean, my, that's a wonderful thing. The, plus having it around from when they're little, they could like, they get used to it being there. Whereas when I whip that stuff out, they're just like, did you open the sauerkraut? I'm trying to eat. I'm like, oh my uh, yeah. gosh. Like, I started just bringing brats home all the time so that everybody would eat the sauerkraut. So yeah. I only eat it with the brats. And I'm we, like, we just had steak for dinner and I, I didn't have a vegetable. So I pulled out this sauerkraut with stinging nettles that I made, you know, at oh, the, in yeah. springtime. And I put some you on the had some of that on, on the baby. Dude, I don't know if I shared that, but yeah, I, I put it on the baby's tray. Singing and it's good for arthritis, right? Oh, it's good for hit. so many things. Yeah. So many things. So the baby tastes it and he makes this crazy face like he <laughs> ate a lemon and then he immediately <laughs> shoves a handful in his face because he loves that taste. Yeah. And I've been feeding him to him since he was little. Where our older guy, he didn't start having that until he was like mm, three, three or four. Three to and four. three, four. And, and he just doesn't have the palate for it the same. But also you can train yourself to know when something's bad or not bad. So anybody who has not had fermented foods or even organ meats and stuff, they think it's bad because it has a different smell. A yeah, because it smells so funky or whatever. Whereas yeah. I made the red, the red sauerkraut mm -hmm. and it wasn't like, it just didn't make enough brine. Mm -hmm. So some of the stuff on top was kind of brown, but the brine was kind of brown. Yeah. And I just, I just smelled it. And I was like, oh, that top layer is not good. And I threw yeah. away. And yeah. Anything exposed to air is no good. And what, you, what you'll find when you're working with red cabbage is that it's drier than green cabbage. So sometimes oh, you need to add a little bit brine. of water. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. it was fine underneath it. I mean, I can tell you because I ate the entire thing myself over the past month. And look and at you, you're fine. I'm, unless, <laughs> unless I die later from the same thing, but because you could smell it. And right. my kids are like, it always smells bad. I'm like, no, this smells bad. It always so, smells, but it smells good. And they're like, it's, it always smells bad. I'm like, no. And they will learn. Yes. So I just had this, this thought. I haven't actually said it out loud to you or anyone else, but it kind of combines. We were talking about Disney plus earlier and the subliminal stuff that's in there. And then we're talking about this now, but I was thinking about subliminal messaging and things. And we hear people talk about how you pick up on all these subliminal messages that can be given to you through movies and music and of course, YouTube and, and everything else. And that we have these like incredibly sharp brains that even if we're flashed an image for just a moment, it's burned in there somewhere. And even if you can't consciously think of it down in your subconscious, you have every single image that's been flashed in front of your eyes, like through all this time. And I was just thinking about that as a concept versus like, okay, so like, if that's the same brain that we've always had as humans, what were we subconsciously able to observe before in nature? I was thinking this when I was out in the woods, like, we, and, and we're talking about like knowing whether or not food is good or not. I was thinking of it more on what plants are 
poisonous and not Mm -hmm. like, was there a time when our subliminal ability to pick up on these things, even though it's not flashes from a screen coming at us, was there a time where we could be in the woods and we could look at all the plants and we could subconsciously pick up on things to know what we can and can't eat in a way that we've lost. Well, the bridge to that would be, and this goes to what my missionary friend would say is that if you followed your mom or your dad through the forest and they walked past a plant, you will always walk past that plant. Yes. And that's how it could be passed down for millennia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I I mean, that's what I'm even being spoken with our little guy now, like this last year, him finally he's conscious and walking. So we spent the whole, you know, season in the garden and he knows what he can eat and what he can't. And it's not because I've ever told him if he just watches me, I go and pick a strawberry and I eat it. And he picks a strawberry, he eats it, eats the green top too. But I looked it up <laughs> it's not poison. It's just fine. It's got a My lot dogs of eat it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, our dog loves to pick the raspberries off the raspberry bush, mm. just tooth or little teeth. I would and- not like that. <laughs> just Those taking all the good ones. Like gold. <laughs> totally. But we had an abundance, so it was okay. Yeah, that's good. It's good for her. But, um, you know, and I am, I'm seeing that with the little guy and I'm happy that he, I'm with our older kid. He is, I started doing this when he was a little older. So it's not as much of a second nature to him. Some of the things like the sauerkraut, but he can also be resistant to what I'm doing. Like, Oh, boring mom's in the kitchen. You know, I've been homeschooling. So he's like kind of tired of everything, but then I have a homeschool group that comes over on Fridays. Um, older girls, they're for like 14, 15, and we're doing sour sourdough right now. And, um, they're here for like three hours and we like do work with dough or bake something. And, and he comes in and wants to look cool in front of them. And he tells them the whole process of sourdough. So I know that even though I'm not, he thinks I'm boring and he doesn't want to listen when I'm talking he's taken it all in. Like he really knows his stuff about it. He can tell people how fermentation works. And the interaction. So if he, if you're doing the stuff in the kitchen and he's hearing you make videos or interacting with other people, that's one thing I always really cared about with my kids is that I knew as, as challenging as it was to be the youngest of nine in a tiny house with a bunch of wild, wild boomers, like sixties, like whatever. And seventies, uh, dropouts and they had their qualities, but it was a wild environment. Uh, I got so much out of the interaction. I was always stimulated. Like we didn't have any money or screens or anything. Like there was no entertainment, but boy, was that entertaining. (laughs) And I always remembered like, how will my kids so learn how to socialize, learn how to talk, learn how to tell a funny story Mm -hmm. if it's just me home and there's nobody else there. So that's why I always had, uh, always had like intelligent help. I always needed help for I just couldn't take care. I had three kids in diapers at one point, one had Down syndrome. So I always Mm -hmm. had intelligent help. And if they, if their English wasn't perfect, I'm still friends with all of them. I would not, I would do what you do to kids. I would not, people would laugh at me like, she doesn't understand a word you're saying. I said, she understands it all. And by the end of this, she's going to be able to talk to me. And I have friends like my, well, my Brazilian friend really could absolutely speak perfectly, but my Swedish friend, uh, she said her English is like the best of anyone in Sweden because I would talk to her that way. But my point was that I wanted the kids to understand discourse and learn things from, you know, if you do it yourself and you're not talking about it, you're not sharing it with anyone. That's the thing, like with the religion, like I, my husband was, is a convert now, but there was, he doesn't have that cultural background. So there was no discussion of the kind of values that my parents who didn't even really get along 
but all they cared about was uh, values and ethics. Mm-hmm. So that's all I heard, all I heard. And, and you know, from listening to my show, like I put everything in that context and it's a hundred percent because of the way they talk to each other, even more than just to me. So yeah. I feel like that community, that multi-layered community and learning stuff. And that's why I feel so sad um, and then I really, you know, I didn't wise up in time to actually establish my homestead for my kids like you have, but I really, you know, I have to be realistic about what I can achieve, but I do hope to do it for my grandkids, but it just, I'm sure those girls learning the sourdough stuff is just so delightful for them. I mean, it must just be, I just said uh, they, I, I can't imagine how much joy I would get out of that myself, it's especially fun. over it's, that age. And to have usually- the attention of a person like you who they can respect. Oh, sure. And I like swear and stuff. So they think I'm yeah, cool. That's excellent. I like yeah. talk to them like a real person <laughs> and they, um, you know, they're, they're good kids cause they've been homeschooled so they can look me in the eye and talk to yes. me and they're not looking at their phones, but most of the questions are, can we eat the bread now? So that's, <laughs> that's great. And then they know, but they love reward. to, you know, touch it and, and ask questions. And then they start to make cool observations. There have been studies done. I have to tell you this fat Mitch told me this, that if, uh, that if you made something, it, tastes so much better. Like there's studies about that. Like it literally tastes better to you. And that's why you just can't stop eating. Cause that happens to me anytime I cook, like I just can't stop eating it. I have to try to tell myself like, you can stop eating it. Take a step back from that. I've never read any any of these studies, but I have done these studies myself. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I, I love it. It's the farther back you take it. Like, you know, if it's, um, if it's going and buying pre-made ingredients and assembling it, it's better than getting it from the deli. And if you start, right. And if you start going from scratch to you, make that, yes. then, you know, like, like, or, you know, cornbread is going to be better from it. a box if you make it in your yeah. oven, but it's going to be even better if you actually make the, the mix yourself. And if you go all the way back to growing the corn drying the corn, grinding the corn, making, you know, like going all the way through it, you are going to have the best cornbread. It may not be the best to everyone, but maybe that's why I love the sauerkraut and everyone else is like, that's gross. Yeah. You made it. it. It's great. It's great. I'll tell you. We just got a grain mill. So now I'm, (gasps) I'm milling my own wheat in my kitchen, which is really cool. Stone ground wheat, like fresh ground and then making the bread, which is like so much more nutritious. It's great. Cool. I wish um, but, I could taste it, but I've already been completely broken by the whole like artificial wheat. Like I can't eat, I yeah, can't even be in the same kitchen that as that. It yeah. sucks. I, and it's yeah. totally, it's my parents didn't have that. I didn't get it till no, you know, that's, that's five years ago. Farming problem. It's yeah. Awful. And there's no turning back. People are like, use the good stuff. I'm like it's too, yeah, you're too me. far into it. Yeah. We got yeah. corn though, and I'm going to make cornbread and I rendered my own lard. And so then I think of that episode <sighs> of the, uh, the King of the Hill where there's that prepper guy, it's the Y2K episode. And there's a prepper yeah. guy named Chappie. And he's Chappie. like, he's like, this is really good cornbread. He's rendered the lard myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You think that's a joke, but and it's I'm like, totally no, well, you though. did. And it's going to taste so good. Rendered, uh, the lard my, rendered the lard myself. Let the grid go down Lord for, I don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the full quote. Well, that's the quote. <laughs> is that really the full quote? Yeah. Though? And then I think Hank <laughs> says, there's no Mrs. Chappie. Is there? Yeah. <laughs> Wild Bill and Ash, who are um, just the, they provide a lot of the pictures for the newsletters because they're always doing my newsletters because they're always doing such cool stuff. And they sent me some of their rendered 
tallow, like for Ooh. cooking and also as lotion. And oh, I cherish it. Yeah. I probably should blow through it. I don't know if it ever goes bad. I keep it all in the fridge. I don't it shouldn't, know. Years. It should be years. Okay, yeah. good. Cause I cherish it, but yeah. I'm thinking it would be like, it would break my heart if like I cherished it so much that it. To the point of rot. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you, if you keep moisture out of it and it's in the yeah, fridge. No, I far. use it regularly, but only if it's something that I'm cooking, you know, like if yeah. I use the granite state guys spices in my taco. Yeah. Day, yeah. Like, Matt's spices is, is good is stuff. I know I, I'm trying to not like savor them too much. I'm like, I want to go through these and buy more. No, you I mean, know it's so annoying and I don't <laughs> but, have as much time to cook as I would like to, but yeah. it's, I use those spices for like at the holidays. Now the holidays are coming. I'll just get a big tub of sour cream, which you probably churn yourself. But uh, um, I know you don't it's have the culture. It's culture. No, culture, but it's cultured. Whatever. I've made it before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you it's go. It's fermented. Yeah. Or you could probably do yogurt or whatever. So I just break it up into four and I put, a, I don't know if it's a packet or what. I just take like four different ones of his spices and I just make four different dips out of them. Oh, that's so smart. shroomy and um, there's like just spog. And I I don't know if he had a curry mm. one or if I added curry into it, but I can. Oh, he has a curry one. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, just mix it with sour cream and make sure it's got the right amount of salt. And I just put carrots and that's it. And I, his, uh, like his new one is an everything bagel seasoning and I oh. like putting it on everything. It's so oh, that's good. great because yeah. as a bagel deprived person, you can get the flavor. If you I like cream do. cheese on something else, then you I got just it. bought artificial wheat flavored extract. I know that's <laughs> terrible. It's the only artificial thing what I've bought. What does that mean out of? Because the problem with bread, all right, now we're really going off on a tangent. But the problem <laughs> with the, the celiac thing is not like the consistency of the bread. It's like wheat has a flavor mm-hmm. and it's that so toasted, ingrained. Caramelized, yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to make ingrained. wheat butter, wheat flavored butter. <laughs> nice. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. Yes. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Cosmic. <laughs> oh man. Well, I want to be respectful of your time and I've really enjoyed this conversation. Um, is there any last thoughts uh, that come to mind before we wrap up? Well, I did have an awful lot of notes. I don't know if you can see that. I I got through a lot of them, but probably only half. So no, we'll just have to do it at another time. But I have to say, it's such a pleasure talking to you guys because I really feel like we're friends after that experience. And, you know, how often I think of, you know, how much you've influenced my own kitchen, which is like pathetically still kind of Brooklynite. But (laughs) I mean, there's always something gross on the counter. I hate to say I'm only kidding. It's not gross. I I hope you don't get mad. But like, I'm just telling you, my kids are just not ready for it. But I did, I did once I took that kombucha and I, I tried to double ferment it with the hibiscus syrup. Mm -hmm. It didn't totally get fizzy. Like I told you, but it's so delicious that I, and, 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 oh, but it is, I like it, but it's like, it tastes like vinegar a little bit, which I love. Yeah. So that's a longer fermenting time. It's just, if you shorten your first ferment a little bit, then it won't have them as much vinegar and it'll have more sugar. So if you keep going, you'll actually make kombucha vinegar. And that's actually pretty good too. But if you want a sweeter drink, then just go a little shorter time with your first ferment. And then your second ferment, um, make sure there's some sugar in it and maybe go a little longer in the bottles. Did I tell you about the plastic bottle method. Have I, yes, talked but to you about I, that? it was too short. I, like it started getting hard and I put everything in the fridge, but it yeah, wasn't long enough. Wait till it gets hard and then wait a little longer and then move it in. And it depends on how warm your house is, but it can be from two to five days. Yeah. So it just Did depends. It Big variance. Yeah. But and then I like even, like even so kombuchas never is as 
fizzy to, to me as like some of my other drinks. Oh. It has more of like a natural effervescence. So I don't get the big oh. explosion of bubbles as I do with some of the other ones. Oh. But I will say that if you add ginger to anything, there's like something magic with ginger that helps with the fizziness too. All right. Well, I need to, I did not take the fermented beverage workshop with you. So oh, right. I have to yeah. do that and I'd rather do it live, but I will take the rerun. Yeah. And I'm hoping that we can do a, I mean, for no reason, but my own amusement, uh, like, um, things for cocktails. Sure. Yeah. Like syrups and stuff like that. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I make syrups, but I'm sure you could like make a syrup that has some like fifth dimensional quality to like it. Medicine. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I always think well, like, this is just, this doesn't have any, any magic. There's nothing. It's yeah. not vinegar. It's not fermented. It doesn't, there's no magic in this thing. Yeah. So I, I rely sure. on you. For magic, magic and medicine. Well, I, I love it. I also feel like we are friends now for sure. I felt like that after, you know, being pen pals for a while, but especially yes. now I've gotten to give you a hug in real life and yeah. we've met each other's families in real life, you know, like, it's, and it was it's so great. great because when I walked in and when we were in the kitchen and we were just getting a little deeper, probably than anybody ever gets on a podcast about, you know, what you really think. And we were all Mitch and I on the way home. were just like, wow, like you really nailed it. And, oh, they totally, <laughs> totally based. And I'm like, <laughs> <Based>? yeah, <laughs> cool. We're cool. so it was a really excellent, really great experience. And one thing that I do love is when you just can come where you're in somebody's home, you just can completely relax. There's no question about you can just be yourself. And that's when, you know, you've really got something and that's how we felt. Excellent. I'm so grateful. So I shouldn't take other people's time to talk about that, but I can't wait for that again. I can't wait to do stuff with you online. And, uh, as soon as I have a little me time, I'm definitely going to do fermented beverages. Excellent. That's yeah. great. Love That's it. great. That feels so good to hear you say that you felt that relaxed and comfortable in yeah. your home too. I'm, That's I'm glad that we could provide that for yeah. you. And that's, that's wonderful. Well, you Thank can't you do it on purpose. That. You know, you can't do it. Mm. You can't do it on purpose. It's just there. It's not. And it was uh, just great. True. So. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Monica. Before we go, can you just tell everyone where they can find your new feed? Yes. So deep dives with Monica Perez. I put stuff like this on. Hopefully you're okay with it being a buddy dive. I do dive master interviews with people who really know stuff about stuff. And, but the flagship thing are these deep dives, which take so much longer than I thought, but I only can do once or twice a week at the most. They are but great though. Really in are, depth. Yeah. Do you think so so? I think yeah. they're worth it. There's a, yeah. there are a lot, a lot of effort, but I find that I feel like they add a lot of value and you can get them commercial free for now. Anyway, at deep dives with Monica Perez, um, you can get show notes on Monica's deep dives.com. And you can always talk to me on Twitter at Monica Perez show. Perfect. Which, awesome. which we do. Well, thank you so much uh, for being here. And for those listening on your feed, this is the world as it is today. And we are Chud and Lanny of Greener Postures. And our website is www.greenerpostures.com. That's it. Thanks, thank guys. you. Bye. Peace out.